Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today's Spurs cast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash almighty. That's audibletrial.com slash A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Over 180,000 titles to choose from. Access them right on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Wanna do bad things. That's real, yo. Exaggerate at all, man. The more money you make, the more problems you get. And jealousy and envy is, is something that comes with the territory, man. A lot of people, it's just negative energy, like my man Puff said. What country you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? What? English, mother Do you speak it? Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? Welcome to the Spurs cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Congratulations, you have arrived at episode 426 of the Spurs cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you, of course, by ProjectSpurs.com. I am your host, Ryan McCallum, and casting the pods with me today is, of course, but with a very anti-Trump spark from Popovich, I'm guessing a very conflicted Jose Grijalva. Jose, what's up, man? I knew you were going to catch me off guard with something. We always discuss what we're going to talk about, but then you always tend to catch me. Um, uh, Everything's good. You know, I, I just, you know, like I tell people, we're not going to agree on everything. You know, Pop has his opinion. Uh, I enjoy his coaching. I enjoy the, you know, I'm very glad he's done a great job in San Antonio. But we don't have to agree on everything. So uh, I don't really care. You know, we're we're part of a, we live two different lives. So, you know, uh, the reason I voted for him, it's not going to, you know, mesh with the reason why he didn't vote for him. So it's all good. So even though. You know your your leader, Greg Popovich, goes against your newfound leader in a very pointed way. Says people aren't buying his act. The celebrity stuff doesn't matter, etc. You're you're just cool with it. You're just gonna brush that aside. No big deal. Yeah, uh, because I'm gonna judge him on his job. You know, he's uh, just today. We know we're we're recording on Monday, so uh, he signed that TPP ex- executive order, uh, the Obamacare mandate. So, I mean, I'm just going to judge him on his job. You know, uh, I am pretty upset, and people got surprised when I uh, sort of turned on him because uh, he promised to release his tax uh, his tax uh, documents, his, his tax returns, and he said he wasn't going to. So that really rubbed me the wrong way. Be and I mean, it doesn't affect me, but. Again, he promised to do something. You should take their word for it. Hold them accountable. So, uh, you know, like I said, I voted for Obama in 08, and uh, I didn't like the job he was doing, so I didn't vote for him in 2012. Same thing with Trump. I'm not going to hold them to different standards. Well, uh, I guess that's all you can do. Let's move off of this, man. We got we got way too political last time. Did uh, you expect me to go off, like just to, you know, tell uh, you to hold on to the bleep button? Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't know. I thought you'd uh, I, I thought you'd care about it a little bit more than, 
apparently that you do, uh, just because this has not been a stellar first week, first few days for, for Trump. I guess he's getting stuff done by executive order, but I understand a lot of that uh, inside of the executive orders. There's not a whole lot of substance there, you know, meaning they don't order anything. Anyway, it just confused me. Yeah, I thought it was strange. I mean, they, there's nothing. There's no depth to them. Um, man, if we don't get off this topic right now, we're going to go down this rabbit hole and never be able, be able to dig our way out of it. Let's just switch over to basketball. Sound good? Yeah, well, I mean, you come up with the stuff, so I, I just follow your lead, sir. <laughs> yeah. It's easier to blame it on you. Yeah, it was that's the tact I was taking. I was like, it's easier to blame it on you to keep you trapped in this. But, well, let's let's start basketball. I mean, it's about midseason. Uh, the, the, the Spurs so far, they played 43 games, so we're a little bit past the, the midway point. Um, yet we still do the midseason pod here, and then we're going to end up doing a rodeo road trip podcast. So this one might be a little bit light. Uh, we recorded just recently, so not a whole lot of new news, but a couple of things that have happened that I want to talk about. But I, I want to lead with the what I, what I would say is a huge win uh, for the Spurs on Saturday Primetime. I think this is the first Saturday primetime, ABC primetime uh, show for, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, NBA Saturday night. So you had the Spurs and the Cleveland Cavaliers go, and uh, top three teams, or the two of the top three teams in the NBA. You had um, San Antonio taking on Cleveland without Pau Gasol, without Tony Parker, uh, and you really didn't know what you were going to get out of that offense, what you did get was a heavy dose of Kawhi Leonard, went for a career-high 41 points. Um, some people are saying that he outdueled LeBron. Of course, they play, they play different games. Uh, but a huge overtime win for San Antonio. Uh, what, what'd you th- well, I guess before you look at the game, what would you have thought had San Antonio lost the game? Would you have chalked it up to, you know, this – this game didn't make or break the season for either team, or, or how do you how do you put a game of this magnitude in light that it's just one of eighty two games? Uh, I didn't think it meant that much, even with you know I, I'm I'm a re, I'm a playoff guy. You know the, the one thing I'll, I'll look at is their mannerisms. Are they trying? Uh, you know are are they changing up their game or you, you know uh, are they really you know shrinking and. Uh, with the big lights in a big game uh, because this was a big game as far as you know how many eyes were watching uh, I thought the Spurs you know they had a lot of I'm trying to come up with a word for it like moxie I guess you know they, they had a lot of uh, testicular fortitude you know they played with cojones uh, and that's the one thing that again because they won the game shorthanded you saw you heard Magic Johnson say you know the, the Cavs are just toying with them I, again the Spurs didn't let up LeBron was playing hard Kyrie was playing hard. Shumpert was playing hard. Yeah. I mean, the Cavs were out there playing hard. It's not like they were toying with them. So I didn't really get that, you know, statement by by uh, Magic. Uh, but I mean, it was encouraging. You saw Dejounte Murray. Remember what I said about the guy? He play if he plays big, he will be successful in the NBA. He's six five. He's playing against shorter point guards. He's not that strong, but again, he could get to the basket. He has those long arms. He was trouble against the. Uh, you know, he gave the Cavs headaches the whole game or when he played especially in the first half uh so i i was i was encouraged i didn't think it meant that much uh because they were missing two starters but it, you can't I, it, it's only a positive when your role players especially your rookie played at such a high level and he wasn't even you know flinching at the moment it's not like he was you know sort of uh and i hate to, I hate to throw him under the bus like benno you know he would get you know he, he would uh when um uh, when, when the going gets tough against tough teams like the Pistons back then, this kid played hard the whole time he was on the floor a- against Kyrie Irving, against a Shumpert, a bit, you know, a stronger guy in the two position, a you know, a great player in the point guard position. He wasn't, he, he didn't care. And I mean, that's the one thing you're looking for, especially heading to the playoffs, if there's some injuries with the with any guard. You know, uh, it, a- absolutely, points all well taken, and, and Kawhi Leonard and, and Lamar Aldridge had. You know, great games. And they were out there a long time. Uh, 46 minutes for Kawhi, 42 for LaMarcus. Uh, you know, when I saw Kawhi's shooting performance, I thought, first off, I thought he was taking a lot of shots. It, it just seemed like he was taking every shot for San Antonio, uh, and, and he missed a great deal of those. And, and then come to look at the stat line, and he shot 50% for, for the night. I mean, he made, on 30 shots, uh, he got those 41 points. 
it, it was actually a fairly efficient night for Kawhi Leonard. I, I'm not sure why it looked so so poor. I, did you get the same impression? Did you think that Kawhi was taking a lot of shots, many, many more than he did? I was trying too hard. I think that with Pow out and Tony out, he thought he had to take over the game. And again, it's easier when you have Tony Parker managing the game. You have Pau Gasol out there who can do different things. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from David Lee who had an extraordinary game. Another but double-double. It's the same. Yeah, and it's but it's not the same. It's not the same type of atmosphere. You know, when you have David Lee out there compared to about, uh, Pau Gasol or DeJounte Murray compared to Tony Parker. And you saw that because, again, they went to Kawhi extremely early in the shot clock. He tried to, he tried too hard. He would turn it over. Uh, th- there were some instances where he would try to create something in transition, but he was going one on three, and then he would just turn the ball over. There was a an instance where he just looked completely drained because uh, they stripped the ball away from him, and he just fell to the floor. Yeah, uh, I think he did try too hard. And, and, and again, that's a testament to what Tony Parker brings to the team. It's not just uh, how much he's declined, you know, physically, but again, the mental part of the game is something that you can't replace. And and there's teams who have showed that. There's players who have showed that uh, when the 2011 Mavericks won the championship, it wasn't because Jason Kidd was playing like he how he did in his prime. It was because he could still manage the game as an older guard. So uh, th- that was missed. <laughs> Excuse me, that was missed. But Kawhi, I, I think he did. He, he, I think he put too much burden on his shoulders. And again, that's why I think when DeJounte went off like how he did, uh, you know, Danny Green was playing really good defense uh, on, you know, at some points. Uh, I think, and especially David Lee moving around, I think, you know, later in the game, even though he was sort of out of gas, he sort of felt more comfortable. Like it wasn't all on him. Yeah, you, you really did get to see that. I mean, he was sort of out of control. And I, that's how I had some of his play in that first quarter. It was just out of control. Uh, and towards it, to the, the end of the game, he, you could see he had re- really settled in uh, and was getting a lot more efficient in his shooting despite being, you know, worn out. Because, you know, uh, San Antonio gave LeBron a lot of different looks. Not so much on Kyrie, if you, if you notice that. But, you know, they had Manu Ginobili covering LeBron from time to time. Kawhi, of course, Danny Green. Uh, and and that, that doesn't even account for the switches. So how do you think that San Antonio – I mean, did they – they go in there with the, the attitude that they're going to give LeBron a bunch of different looks, and and you think it was successful. I I, I think it's tough to judge success against LeBron because you're never really going to shut him out, and he's just so big that he almost he's just missing shots. He can almost just will himself uh, to be in a good position to take uh, and get position on you to take that shot. And he just is either going to make or miss it. It's hard to judge success uh, on LeBron James. Well, how do you think that the Spurs did in this game? Uh, I th- you know if I had to grade it, I'd give it a. C minus just because there was I mean when you saw a lot of the defensive breakdowns it was the stuff that was that that was supposed to be the trademark of the Spurs don't give them any of the middle and make them go baseline make the help you know funnel them to the help there was a lot of passes where LeBron threw uh you know he he was sort of in that triple threat or post-up position and he just threw a pass with his left hand you know down the middle and there was nobody there the pick and roll they left it open in the middle it was i mean it was unspurs like defense again i think it was the guys really you know it, it was a big game you didn't have your veteran uh, tony parker you know ginobili was out there guarding Lover. this is what i didn't get i mean you know this is coach pops decision like I said, you know, I don't judge, you know, bad coaching decisions, good coaching decisions. I just try to see where they're coming from. But I was really confused having a 39-year-old Manu Ginobili exactly. guarding LeBron James. You know, even if he's not in his prime anymore, he's still one of the best players in the world. Uh, and again, that's where Ginobili sort of had that back, those back spasms and all that. You know, he he, he also took those charges. Uh, but I would give him a C minus just because of the defensive breakdowns that were. Uh, really elementary type, you know, type of stuff that the Spurs would uh, should be getting used to. Even the new guys, you know, uh, that, you know, don't give them anything middle. Uh, everything goes baseline. You know, the big should know where to push everybody. So I, I think it was a breakdown. But again, they still won the game, so they they still did a lot more good stuff than they did bad stuff, in my opinion. Yeah, they definitely gutted it out. But you know, talk about Jonathan Simmons' game. I mean, who's a virtual no show? I, I thought this was. Not necessarily a, a coming out party for him because we've seen what he can do. Uh, but I thought we were going to see some Simmons guarding LeBron. I, I kind of like that that matchup. Um, uh, clearly, LeBron's still going to get his, but I was hoping to see some Simmons on LeBron. Uh, and we didn't see that. We, we barely saw him at all in this game. Is, is there a reason why Simmons was a no-show? Do you think that some of his minutes were going Kyle Anderson's way? 
Well, I was waiting for you to bring up Kyle Anderson, who had an extraordinary game. Extraordinary. I tried to stay away from it. I, I don't want to admit that maybe I was wrong, but he, he did show a little bit of something. Now, he, he had one great stuff, but I don't want to read too much in that block. I mean, it was help defense, and you know I don't remember who he blocked, but you know caught, caught a guy in a, in a weird um, position and then just threw his stuff. So he had two blocks, though, so the other one was, was clean. That, the first one I'm not so satisfied with. But, you know, Kyle Anderson played a good game for sure. But do you, I, I just when I look at those two, the differences between the two, um, I think that Simmons' athleticism would have given him the leg up and that Popovich would have deferred to somebody like that in this game that's really trying to compete with the athletic ability of both LeBron and Kyrie and Shumpert. And we didn't see that. We saw a, a lot of Kyle Anderson, a lot more than I thought. I think it's matchups. Uh, you know, obviously the Cavs are a versatile team, but I think they're really a shooting team. If they try to imitate anybody, I think they're trying to imitate the Heat. You know how how uh, when LeBron and Wade and um, Bosch were in the Heat, you know they had shooters everywhere and defensive specialists. That, that that's what they try. They're trying to do in Cleveland. They're not really a high flying team. They're not the Golden State Warriors. That's a different team. That's a you know a smaller team and a quicker team. I think these the Cavs are sort of like a stronger shooting team, and that fits Kyle Anderson's game. He's not gonna, Kyle is not going to play well against the Warriors in my opinion, but he's going to do well against the Cavs who try to slow it down. Oh, who who he can sort of dissect. You know if he's going to post up, if he's going to go off the pick and roll. You know. He doesn't have to be too quick against them. The one thing that I, that I think is hurting Simmons that really all the teams are now uh, adjusting to is that he can't really shoot. He really he right. really can't create his own shot off the dribble. You know, if there's somebody he'll remind you of, and I don't know how old this comparison would be because I haven't heard his name in a while. I think it's been like four or five years. He sort of plays like Corey Corey Maggette. Give him the ball. Oh he's going to put his head. <laughs> he's going to put his head down, and he's going to try to dunk it or you know j- just muscle it in. Uh, I think that's what's hurting him, and I think that's what you know sort of bailed out. Uh, you know, Ginobili bailed him out a couple of times. If he runs point, you know, just run Simmons across a few, uh, then get him the pass, and he'll probably have an open layup somewhere. But he can't really create on his own. I don't think, especially with you know four or five guys collapsing on him, he doesn't have that mentality where, where okay, I'm gonna drive, and if I see somebody collapse on me, I'm gonna pass it that way. You know, he's sort of like a you're going to take your chance that he's going to shoot the ball and it's going to go in once he puts his head down. So I think that's what's hurting his game. Uh, again, if if somehow they can put a, a Murray off the bench, uh, you know, if he takes Patty's minutes, you know, have Patty rest a few games, I think it'll show. Uh, but, you know, other than that, I don't think uh, his game will improve much unless he gets better at being a shooter. You know, this was almost a double overtime game. Kevin Love got wide open on a set play. Uh, no one. I think Kyle Anderson ran over there last minute, but it, it didn't affect the shot in any way, and, and Kevin Love just missed it right there at the buzzer at the end of overtime. You know, talking about that play, uh, it seemed like a very standard play. How does Kevin Love, the guy who you think is going to shoot the ball with LeBron inbounding the ball, uh, you know, watch out for Love. How did Love get into the corner with no one on him? Uh, I'd, I'd like to know the defense, actually. That's one of the things I was pondering, at, you know, after the whole night. How do they just leave him open? Uh, one of the things I would have guessed uh, that happened, and I again, I don't want to put blame on him because I don't, I, I wasn't there in the huddle, you know, find, uh, hearing out the defensive schemes. But the way LaMarcus Aldridge was positioned, he was, he, he sort of killed that spot. You know, you're not going to pass it to the corner. You're going to have to pass it up top. And then he sort of went for one of the fakes and that's when Love went into the corner and gave him that shot. So I don't know if it was something that if it's on Lamarcus because he didn't, you know, push the ball up top, or if somebody was just going to play man and Lamarcus was just going to try to, you know, uh, shadow the ball. I just don't know. I, I the first thing I was thinking of it, it was Lamarcus's fault that he, you know, didn't push the ball up top because everybody else was up top. You had all your defenders up top. So I'm, I, that's the only thing I could think about. But again, I wasn't in the huddle to try to, you know, criticize him on that. Yeah, it seemed just incredibly strange. It was just a breakdown at some point. I mean, it gives Popovich something to go back after. I mean, there was a lot of things in that game, but this is just one more thing that uh, that they'll be working on in practice. And you know, in, in speaking of uh, of practice players, I've got to believe that's what this signing is. Talk about Joel Anthony uh, on a ten day coming back to San Antonio. Uh, I you know I, I think we both wanted. Uh, one of the uh, Austin Spurs to get the yeah yeah, uh, cousin of maybe Richard who knows Uh, I kind of like the the uh, the signing because again if it was 
LaMarcus who got hurt, you know, you had more versatility in that. You had more uh, of an opening to get somebody else. But again, with LaMarcus starting, if Pop wants to start Deadman, that defensive center, shot blocking, rebounding, then you're going to need a defensive center off the bench with David Lee. So I think it makes sense. Uh, we'll see what Pop does later on, especially if Joel Anthony works out. Uh, you know, if he doesn't work out, then I think he, he might tweak some uh, uh, some rotations there. But this was um, uh, a question that we got actually from uh, one of the, our, our followers on Twitter. At, at, I'm going to butcher his name. Clay Altenhoff. And he's at Clay, at Clay A.L. Tenhoff. Uh, he, he basically told us, uh, this is our first question, Joel Anthony, yay or nay? I'll say maybe. You know, it depends how it works out. <laughs> Would be I, I think, uh, again, again, it makes sense. If Pop starts David Lee, then you really don't want Deadman and Joel Anthony off the bench unless right. Bertens is going to get more minutes and he's going to be that big and Anthony's going to, you know, basically be the last guy on the bench. But if you're going to start, uh, you know, Deadman, then I, it, it makes absolutely a lot of sense to uh, to bring uh, Joel Anthony on the team. I, I like it. I like the signing. You got a veteran player, uh, champion player, championship level player. Um, or at least he was on the team. He'll do. He'll do fine. He'll do what you expect him. But he's he's not the the long term um, solution. Certainly, I mean they don't really have a, a a need there. As soon as Powell comes back, this guy's gone. It, and I, I'm not even saying that he'll be there for the full time. Because remember, Powell's gone for what six to eight weeks, right? Is he still? It, it's still about that time frame, correct? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, so, well, so you have two, I've never broken a finger, so who knows? Well, the, the maximum you've got is two 10 days back-to-back, right? So even if they re-signed him again for a second 10-day on the back of this one, there's still going to be some gap there. I still think that they go with that. Um, that spot will be uncovered. I think they bring in Joel as a, as a nice practice player and, like you said, just give a little bit of depth. But um, I, I can't expect Anthony to be on the team you know, in, in uh, another month or so. So for me, I say, yeah, I mean, why not, right? Yay, I guess. The only negative there is that you're not giving some of those prospect players, um, you know, time to, to see minutes in the NBA, and that's really the only way that they're going to get better. Um, because like I said, some of, those, some of the Austin Spurs in, in different positions, like Corey Jefferson's just destroying uh, the D-League. So don't you give him a chance. Or, you know, that's just who, who Austin... Um, has rights to, or who San Antonio has rights to in Austin. I mean, you can select from, I think, any roster in the D League, uh, and bring them bring them onto your uh, onto your team on a ten day. And and the Spurs didn't do that. So you know, obviously, there's something there from a leadership perspective, from you know maturity perspective, and just being a good veteran player that could probably affect that that locker room uh, in a positive way. So I mean, this is the area right there where they wish that uh, Bonner didn't totally retire. And they could have brought him in on a 10-day. Oh, now you're sucking up to him so he could come on the show. Is that what we're doing now? I, um, I have no problem with, with just, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I was scavenging. thinking, you watch the Austin Spurs, right? I do. Uh, I, I was just thinking, if they take Corey Jefferson, let's say they, they bring him in or they call him up, does that really gut the team? I, I think that might have also played into it where they just don't want to gut the team and you know not give them an opportunity to, to shine in you know their respective league. Oh, no way. Uh, you think that that goes into the thought process? I think Popovich does whatever he wants and who cares about the Austin Spurs, right? I mean, don't they just get a – there's no way that the NBA team – you're kidding, right? Oh, no, I just thought I, – I legitimately thought if that's the only – really the guy that's carrying them, do you really want to pull him out and bring him – you know, then push him back there? Uh, maybe ruin his confidence instead of just building him up like they did uh, with some other players. Yeah, just maybe, a thought. Maybe. So to that listener, I say, uh, yeah, Joel Anthony is a, is a yay. We'll see. I don't have a lot of high expectations. I don't think he's going to get a lot of minutes. So it's one of those I don't think it really matters. They could have just left that spot open. But they're just going to use it for a good practice player. I think you can still see lots of minutes from um, David Lee and, and, of course, Deadman in that role. Uh, let me see what else is in the Spurs news. Oh, Kawhi, uh, obviously on the back of this this last performance of 41 points on 30 shots in, in uh, an overtime win with Cleveland. Uh, I think that's what put him over the top uh, for the Western Conference Player of the Week. So a nice little accolade there for Kawhi. I'm sure he's just stacking those things up. And anything else before we jump over to the – the mid-season report? No, I think that's it. Okay, well, uh, let's let's go to our sponsor, man. So for you, the listeners of the Spurs cast, 
Uh, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Uh, I people know here, big reader. Uh, you know, read read several of those uh, of the Michael Conley books, the Lansdale book. I did go on and look at and, uh, on Audible.com to pull that one down as well. Like we talked about on the last pod, I recommend that you guys do the same. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/almighty. That's audibletrial.com slash A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Uh, and get your free copy of the audiobook. Sound good, Jose? You're going to use and, this today, aren't you? And a, th- a free 30-day trial. I mean, so you get to keep the book and you get to, you know, listen to other books. Uh, it's helpful, you know, whether you're on the car, you're in the car, you don't want to be on your phone. I mean, you could just plug it in if you got Bluetooth or, you know, a connector. You could you use it around the house here. While you're cooking, that's what I do. I don't. I don't like to. When I cook, I do not like to cook in complete silence. I need somebody else talking to me, or just some noise, or at the gym. You know, that's how you keep the crazies aware. Those that apparently it's Jaw Day, where they like to talk to you the whole time. You just get an auto an audible book and uh, just forget them. Pass the time. Get smarter. You know, pick up the pieces of your life. Huh? And pick up the pieces of your life. Get smarter. Listen to an audio book. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, uh, moving on, uh, mid-season report. So talk through, this is, this has actually been a really interesting season so far, About halfway through all the teams are somewhere between 40 and 45 games completed. Talk about some of those surprise teams for you a- any conference. Well, I was going to say the, the surprising one, and it's, they're just surprising me right now, is the Sixers. I didn't think they were going to, you know, when they play well, they play extremely well, I think, especially for that roster that they have compared uh, compared to how the NBA's you know, coming about. Then uh, Ben Simmons is uh, slated to come back. I, I don't know if they're going to actually bring him as a point guard, but, I mean, it's, uh, I, I think I think they have a legit shot to make the playoffs now. I really do. So, I mean, they're, they're my biggest surprise. You know, for me, it's Minnesota. Um 16 and 28, they're 22 games back. That's pretty surprising. I, I thought for sure that they would be uh, performing in the West, and, and they're not. They're not in playoff contention right now. But you had big opinions of Carl Anthony Towns and that whole crew up there. What, what's happened to Minnesota? Well, I had him as the MVP, remember? So I guess uh, that sort of bit me. Uh, the, the one thing I've noticed about them is their offense is too basic. Yeah. And again, that that sort of came with Thibodeau. The one thing that I think they needed was an offensive coach. That sort of, and then I think you needed some defensive-minded assistants to teach them how to play defense. You know, long, they're all quick, they're tall. I mean, they could be really good defenders, but you can't have that basic offense just to dump down and then see what uh, Anthony Towns can do. Uh, that's how you say his last name, right? I just don't want to call him Towns. Uh, but well, is I, that I think his that's last real- name? Is his middle name is Anthony, right? So it's Carl Anthony Towns. So you'd call him Mr. Towns, not Mr. Anthony Towns. We'll call him Cat. That's easier. Do it. Uh, but anyways. I believe in you. Uh, <laughs> but but anyways, I think that's the problem. I think they need an offensive-minded coach. Again, a coach that likes ball movement, not a Mike D'Antoni, a guy who likes a advantage, you know, sort of an advantage somewhere. Well, actually, it might have worked with Ricky Rubio if you go small, if you put Wiggins at the four, and then you sort of just try to run every day. I think they need a coach like that uh, and sort of play that team defense because they're all getting good minutes. They're all really good players. It's just that their offense, I think, is really killing them where, uh, you know— Carl Anthony Towns could be a dominant big man next to Boogie uh, if they put him in that role and sort of that, you know, give him open looks. Back cuts, you know, back screens, all these different things. That's just so basic. I that, That's the only thing why I don't, really don't watch the Wolves games because of their offense. You know, um, another team that's really surprising, you mentioned them a bit there, was, was Houston. We, we thought that they would be good. We thought it would take longer for them to be good with D'Antoni coming over his system, a couple of new players, and, of course, James Harden playing the point guard position. Uh, but they're 34-13. and 13. That's a, a 72% winning percentage. They're five and a half games back from Golden State. They've got the third seed so far in the Western Conference. Uh, and they've been dominant at times. And, uh, you know, we're going to go through a couple of stats, uh, you know, here today when we, when we look at team performance. But Houston's right there in a lot of these, these big offensive categories. Defensively, they're not good, but they got Capella back uh, just recently, and I think that's going to make a difference for them. How about those Houston Rockets? And, and still, do you still feel about them the same way that you did a couple of weeks ago, where you know they're going to be a, a three or a two in the West, but you don't see them challenging for the top spot? 
if you remember, the one thing I've always said about D'Antoni is he's a good coach if he has a mismatch somewhere. Uh, and and I think I, I mentioned at the beginning of the season, if he puts a Reza at the four, you know, before I think the, the season even started, the preview, I think I, that's when I mentioned that if he puts a Reza at the four, that'll give them some, you know, advantage where he could be a decent coach. But I never really thought about the advantage where he just said, you know, we're going we're gonna to go small in the front court and we're going to go big in the back court. And that was absolutely genius because, again, that's going to have teams scrambling. You can't play two shooting guards, not logically with every other team unless you're the Houston Rockets. Uh, so I just thought it was you know, genius. I think they can go far depending on the matchups. Uh, I think they can give the Clippers trouble. You know, you don't want Chris Paul guarding oh, Chris, sure. uh, James Harden. Uh, I think, you know, with the Spurs, it might be a little difficult because the Spurs might slow the game down. You know, if you put Kawhi Leonard on um, – uh, on Harden or you know on Danny Green on the shoot. I mean, if you just if you just force them to play your game, in which D'Antoni has fallen for a lot of the times, you know, leaving uh, uh, the, the guy with the mismatch open. If you remember a few years back in 2007, uh, you know the Suns had the, the a lot of people thought the Suns were going to win that series. Uh, Boris Diaw was sort of uh, you know the the big small forward. So what did Pop do? He put, he would put the smaller small forwards on him, and he would just have to back them up. And it would ruin the whole chemistry. I think D'Antoni's susceptible to that, you know, to, to try to take the advantage that Pop's giving him. And again, that might ruin the chemistry or the flow of their game. I think, you know, if he faces San Antonio, I, San Antonio has the, uh, has the advantage. I, I just think it's matchups. It, it all depends on the first round, the second round, and of course the, uh, the, uh, the Western Conference Finals. But, it, you know, if Houston were to get to the NBA Finals or the Clippers were to get to the NBA Finals, the Warriors of the Spurs... I think they can easily beat Cleveland. I know that sounds like blasphemy because it's yeah. LeBron James, but I think that those teams, the way they play, they all play differently, and the Cavs sort of play that uh, that um, Miami Heat style of game where it's LeBron and you have that outside shooter like Bosch and Kevin Love, and you know they they try to move around with these defensive specialists. I think the game has really moved, you know, aside from that, especially this season. So I'll take the West against the East, but you know it's matchups uh, concerning the West on who's going to come out. Well, and, and just staying on Houston real quick, you know, if we know that Houston shoots a lot of threes, we think the same thing for Golden State, and then of course Cleveland had a few games there in a row, a streak or something where they had. Three twenty-plus three-pointer made games in a row, something like that, earlier in the year. Houston had so top three go from Golden State in third place at five hundred and twenty-nine three-pointers made. Then you go Cleveland. This was surprising that that it wasn't Cleveland and then Golden State, but Cleveland's in second place, five hundred and thirty-seven uh, three-pointers made. Houston has them by over one hundred and fifty made three-pointers. They have six hundred and ninety made threes so far this year. But what, what's interesting, though, is that they don't have a top five three-point percentage, right? So they're shooting a lot of shots. So to your point, they could slow, San Antonio could definitely slow down the game uh, between Houston and them if they go down to execute their offense and half-court set because Houston's making a lot of those as transition threes with Harden. Uh, and if you miss a couple of those, San Antonio starts scoring on their end. You really start to, um, you know, to see the, 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 uh, the game slow down quite a bit. So I thought that was pretty interesting. 690 made threes in the game, but you know, the most prolific offense so far uh, has been Golden State. I mean, they're leading in offensive rating. They actually have the top defense as well in the NBA, but I don't want to sit on that too much because I tweeted this out during the week that, um, you know, Golden State right now has the number one ranked defense in the NBA, but I attribute that to a, just a ton of missed shots and, and missed three pointers. Houston missed when they when in that game against Golden State. I, I saw. I don't think I saw Houston make a single three pointer, uh, and they they. I don't even remember what the statistics were, but they missed something like, you know, twenty five threes out of the thirty that they shot. It was something ridiculous, and so I think that obviously helps out your your net rating, and that game just turned into a blowout, got really out of hand. So I think they just had a couple of really strong games where other teams were just missing. They were getting shots, and they were just missing. Of course, that helps you out your, your defensive rating. For, but uh, Golden State's offense has just been amazing, 118 points a game. Um, they have the top three assist games in the year uh, with 47, 45, and 41 assists. Their field goal percentage, they're shooting an even 50%, um, and they're having 31 assists per game. So they're moving the ball well. They're they're playing offensive basketball the best in the league. 
Uh, in your opinion, do you think there's another team that can compete with them offensively? Because there's another couple of teams that are really close. Houston's right there. Uh, and San Antonio, from an offensive perspective, is right there, uh, you know, right behind them. Do you think that they could catch uh, Golden State from an offensive perspective during the year? Uh, not really. Uh, again, it's matchup. So do you think they should? Know. Do you think they should strive for that? Do they care? I don't think San Antonio no. cares. I think they. I think San Antonio just needs to be uh, sort of comfortable playing two two types of games. One where the bigs can you know play outside and stretch the floor, especially if you play against someone like uh, some like a team like the Cavs, where you where they they're going to rely on Tristan Thompson to protect the paint. You know, sort of be their DeAndre Jordan or what Ben Wallace used to be for the Pistons and so forth. Against the Warriors, you know they're going to have to play in. In the paint, try to bully them around, get offensive rebounds, you know, play that little bully ball type of game. So I, I think that's what the Spurs should worry about. Try to be as as you know the better two way team or the the a team who can play two different ways as far as their bigs. Because again, they're they're so versatile. That's why uh, Gasol not being in the lineup is going to hurt them. Because if he had Deadman there, I mean, you could throw a bunch of alley oops to him, mm-hmm. but you know. He's not a guy where you could just throw the ball in the paint and just say, you know, just do something with it. You know, just score right away like a Gasol or a, or a LaMarcus Aldridge can. So I think the only thing that San Antonio should be concerned with offensively is just get comfortable uh, with adjust, you know, with an adjustment uh, to play whatever given team. So the Cavs, you know, stretch out the floor. That'll open up the floor for Kawhi that we saw that he can be a beast in, like he did in the 2014 finals or play that bully ball that we saw in the – first game against Golden State where Gasol and Aldridge really realized, hey, we're taller than these guys. We're longer than them. If we get the ball and we just throw it up, it might go in. Sort of like that uh, Andrew Bynum type of play. If you remember, oh that's God. all he would do, really. <laughs> he would just stand there with his hands up, and then he would just throw it, you know, because he was so close, and nobody could do anything about it. I think they just need to get comfortable trying to trying to adjust to the competition. You know, what I thought was really interesting, and we'll see that play out um, when we talk about Golden State, if, should there be a matchup there with San Antonio, Golden State on offense, you know, you think of them as an outside-in team, but they actually have more touches in the paint um, and in the post than any other team in the NBA. You know, they're getting 23 touches in the post per game. They're getting 19 touches in the paint per game. So there's a lot of interior passing going on, which used to be a staple of San Antonio, and maybe still is. San Antonio is not ranked in the top three in any of those categories. But I I thought that was really surprising. Uh, That's a lot of dunks. That's a lot of layups. You know, Golden State's getting to the rack. So, San Antonio, to your point, San Antonio's going to have to adjust to that uh, should they meet in the, in the conference finals. I, I, I'm hoping for, uh, you know, to avoid that all the way through, and then perhaps it's a Houston-San Antonio if, if uh, Houston slides down to that fourth spot to try to take out Golden State. I, I think that they, could, they, from a matchup perspective, it's pretty difficult, but, you know, James Harden is such an X factor that you know, he could take over a couple of games for you for sure. Uh, let me see. Any other any other surprises so far this first part of the year? I, I think we just went through most of them. The midseason report's kind of lame because there's a, you know what I mean. It's it's played out just about how you thought it was going to play out, with some exceptions. So not much to not much to discuss. Maybe your standout player. Let me ask you your standout player for the first half of the year. Standout player. Yeah. Uh, for the Spurs. Uh, too soon to say Dejounte Murray. Uh, it's probably too soon. Little too soon. Kyle Anderson. No, you probably wouldn't like that. Uh, standout player. I'd probably say. I think Paul Gasol. Okay. Uh, just because he's fitting in perfectly. You know, it, it took him a little while, but I, I think he sort of adjusted to you know his role, and obviously, so it was such a bad time to get injured because uh, again, he was just getting comfortable with it. Yeah, for me, I I've got to go with David Lee. I, I think you know he he's playing the spot that we thought David West was going to play. Uh, he's not as physical as David West, but I love the the way that he moves. He's all and you pointed this out early on. He's always moving. He's always hustling. He had another double double, typically coming off the bench. But if David Lee could get you fifteen and ten every night, that's just amazing for a guy to come off the bench like that. Thirty three years of age, so you didn't think his game would really change. And I got to tell you, I'm not so big of a a David Lee historian that I know is this how he typically plays or not, but I, I'm just really impressed with him for at, at six foot nine. I mean, he's given right now about seven points per game, 
and about five rebounds, but he he's shown that ability just to step up uh, and get crazy good. He's playing more minutes this year than he's played in the past four seasons. Uh, he's just fitting in really nicely, doing a lot of the dirty work um, that we know it takes to be a championship-level team. We saw that with Tiago Splitter. David Lee's playing that spot, I think, just absolutely perfectly. What, what do you think about – talk a little bit about David Lee. I know, I know that you're high on him too. Oh yeah, just for the reasons that you mentioned, it's so hard to get somebody to to you know to move around, especially when they're not guaranteed to get the ball. And that's what, you know, and that's one of the hardest things to do, you know, at the college level or even at the youth level, especially in the NBA level, because they're all playing for millions of dollars and championships at the same time. But when you find somebody like David Lee and and guys like Tiago Splitter, again, the Spurs are missing somebody like Tiago Splitter. They missed him last year. Tim Duncan couldn't be that guy, you know, not not at, at his age with those knees. But again, David Lee is sort of and. And again, he's doing this when he's called upon. It's not like he takes nights off or, you know, he sort of he, – he plays according to his teammates. You know, he knows what they can do. Uh, but at the same time, he, he plays to his strength. So I think that's uh, th- that's invaluable. You know, if the Spurs go far, and especially if the bench is still the juice unit, he's one of the reasons why because you can't replace that. You can't replace just somebody moving around and then shouting out where everybody's supposed to be, where the ball is, where, when there's a screen. I mean, that's that's one of the things that you can't coach, and it's one of those invaluable things that, again, he's bringing to the team. That's w- He's one of the reasons why they're where they're at, especially uh, with the last game. If they still stay at the top in the defensive rating and the offensive ratings and so forth that win games, Again, that's David Lee helping them, you know, filling in the spots where Gasol, you know, did certain things or, you know, where Diaw did certain things that, you know, after he got traded. So, again, he's one of those players that the stats sheet's going to show some of it, but you have to look at the game, watch the game, so you can see what great of an impact he has. And last uh, controversial question here for uh, uh, San Antonio's midseason review. Does San Antonio miss Tim Duncan's game? Oh wow! Uh, are you saying his what he would usually bring, or at least his game from last season? His, well, the game for the past two seasons, because you're right, he had one pretty good season a couple of, uh, two years ago, and then you know last season was uh, you know a slide not towards mediocrity, but just not superstar status. Um, so so take it over over the average of the past couple of years. Do you think that they missed Tim Duncan's game? You know, I'll say that I don't think he played like an MVP. Uh, he was a really good role player, in my opinion, uh, during the 2000, 2014 championships uh, because it was really Kawhi's show at that point. And again, remember, he played with Tiago, who couldn't shoot, so he would shoot that mid-range jumper. If they had him at a level two years ago, uh, I think they would be better off than with, where they're at with Gasol right now. Uh, again, because he would still be able to post up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would be able to shoot that mid-range jumper. He'd be setting those screens. He'd be comfortable. But one of the things that, if you remember what Mike Monroe said, friend of the show, of course. Of course. Uh, he, one of the things that's missed about Duncan is his leadership. He, he would grab guys and tell them, this is where you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do. Uh, you don't have that nowadays. You know, you have Tony kind of saying it. I don't really see Tony in that role. Yeah. Uh, on the defense. You know, on the offense, I think he'll tell them, this is what you're supposed to do. Move. But again, they, they were always able to score. Even when it was the years of Michael Finley, Bowen, and Brent Barry, Rosho Nesterovich. They were still able to score. That was not an issue. The issue nowadays is the defense, you know, the defense, where guys are supposed to be, how they're supposed to cover, where they're supposed to push the ball. That's one of the things that was, that you miss from Tim Duncan. You know, I think he would be a, a huge part of the team if he would have stayed and came off the bench. I know that's a pipe dream. It would have never happened. You know, I don't think he'd want to go out that way. Uh, but uh it, you miss it and and i think it would have made everybody else better because you saw uh at the beginning everybody sort of slipped on the defensive end mm-hmm. uh if tim duncan would have been there it didn't matter how many new guys were on there everybody would have been at at their top defensive peak because he would have been helping them out the whole way so of course he's missed i would i would take tim duncan from even like you know what i'll even say it from last year uh just because of of uh of his uh vocal leadership yeah, I think they miss him for for that perspective for sure. But I, I'm talking about his his on the court game, and and I think that um, I hate to say it, I mean he's been totally replaced. I, I wouldn't say forgotten, but Kawhi's offensive uh, output is is something that we're going to be talking about all season long. I mean, 41 points, uh, this streak of 30 point 30 plus point games uh, is it looks to just continue. Uh, and even if not, I mean, his average, his scoring average is way up from from where he was last year. So I think offensively, 
he's been totally Tim Duncan's been totally absorbed because I mean there were times there that he was in single di- single digits. I think Tim Duncan had a you know a ten point per game average last year, uh, something right around that. So you know he wasn't prolific from the offensive end and wasn't as dominant as we've seen before. On the defensive perspective, you know I think that that the combinations that Greg Popovich has has put on the floor, I think Lamarcus Aldridge is surprisingly better at defense than we had thought he was going to be or given him credit for when he was coming into San Antonio. He had a really nice defensive year last year, and that's continued into this year. Uh, he's playing above himself, I think. Um, Pau Gasol was the same way. We didn't really talk about Pau Gasol as a, as a defensive prowess. I, I think that that, that has come to bear. I, I think it's once those guys get into this system, they know what they've got to do uh, defensively. They're pulling it off. And then when I talk about combinations, I, I keep coming back to, to David Lee, but you cycle in a guy like David Lee, and it, not only is David Lee always moving, but he's always talking, and he's always yelling at people to get into the right places um, defensively, and you're seeing him putting that work, and the, and the team's feeding off of him. So th- through a combination of people, and so you have to use multiple roster spots to, to take care of, of what Duncan's uh, output was, but I think that they've they've absorbed the loss of Tim Duncan very nicely. And I don't think that they really misses on the court game controversy. Yeah, I, I miss Timmy, but you know, uh, you mentioned a, a David Lee being able to one of the things that one of the things that I think hurt them early on was they didn't have that voice on in the starting lineup. You know, Lee will do that against the second with the second stringers, you yeah. know, the, the backups, the bench, but again, you know, it, it's really invaluable missing it when you know you're playing against Duran and Curry and all these other guys because again that's when you need your, your the defense to be at its peak its best level uh when everybody's coming in you know sort of sort of starting off from zero uh you know or from 12 you know uh in the first quarter so um just you know even if it was old Tim Duncan and he couldn't move, I think he would have been invaluable even with his uh his presence on the defensive end all right. I miss him I don't know why you don't miss him I, I think you just I didn't say I just don't miss. I'm looking at my box of Tim Duncan cereal right now, thinking oh, it would be great if he was there. But you're right; it would it would have to be off of the bench, and he's not going to do that. Right? How 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 is the cereal? Are they like Cheerios? It's yeah, oh yeah, they're they're like Cheerios. They're they're very Tim Duncan esque. They're extremely generic. There's not a ton of flavor, <laughs> right? But I think that they're nutritious. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think they're uh, so yeah. They're just very very generic, uh, non exciting. Cheerios. I like how you say you think they're nutritious. It's like you don't. Do you even check the back to see what's in it? Uh, well, no. It was just to get it for uh, for the cover. So no, I didn't. I mean, I don't know what they could be made out of. Pure sugar. They look like Cheerios. So I assume they are Cheerios. The oh. HEB version of them. Uh, last word. Anything else? No. Uh, they have a game today. You want to give your your uh, thoughts on it? We're recording on Monday, and there's a back to back, right? So. Uh, go f- you go for it. You start because I like to be able to come back. At you, didn't, you didn't remember that they have a back. That they had a a back to back. Yeah, I, I didn't remember that it was a back to back. So you've busted me again. You've caught me. My failures as a host. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, they play Brooklyn today, and then they play um, uh, tomorrow. They play uh, the Demar Derozan. Plus, Toronto Raptors, I think it's like an ankle injury or something. Uh, I think they're both wins. They have to be wins. I'd like to see DeJounte Murray start again. Uh, I, uh, Tony Parker had an MRI on his foot. I don't know how, how serious that is. First, they say it's soreness, right? So, you know, it goes from soreness to MRI. I think it was probably something serious that they tried to downplay, and hopefully it would it would sort of uh, heal in, you know, with time passing by. But the whole MRI thing kind of makes me scratch my head. Unless they think DeJounte Murray can take the reins for a few weeks uh, and sort of build them up and still keep the bench the way it is with Patty and Manu off the bench. Well, Manu has back spasms now regarding the great LeBron James. So Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they're both wins, and I hope to see DeJounte Murray gets a bunch of minutes. Yeah, they've got three good games to do that, to work him in. So Brooklyn, uh, there's no excuse to come out of this without a win unless it's just they completely overlook this team but Jeremy Lin's not playing um not that you ever game plan around Jeremy Lin but you know he's their starting point guard is not is not there so you have some opportunities there uh and then as you said going into in a Toronto without their best player you've got some real opportunities there I'd love to see 
the the post game uh, matchups there. Valanciunas versus our guys. I don't know what the matchup is going to be, if it's going to be LaMarcus on him or or what they're going to throw at Valanciunas, but I really love that guy's play, and uh, and he's going to he's going to be a tough matchup. And then a couple of days later, they go to, um, on the 27th, they go down to New Orleans, uh, also essentially point guard lists. Um, but, they've you know, that's, that's an interesting team there. Is Anthony Davis back? Is he, because I know he was injured, if he's still out, then that should be a win too. If he's still there, um, you know, again, that should be it, a win too. it should still be a win, but it's an interesting, it, it, just the game within the game, right? I'm talking the post matchup. That'd be, um, that, that's just a cool thing to see, uh, to, to see how Anthony Davis is going to play and how the Spurs are going to defend uh, Anthony Davis because, you know, he's, he's out of a three point uh, shot to his game. Uh, and, you know, rep, he's kind of representative of a few different styles of, of the players on, on the truly competitive teams in the West, where they've got that big man that's super athletic, DeAndre Jordan style, but also has that little step back shot. I think that, that Anthony Davis would be a cool, you know, thing to isolate game within a game. But you're right, they should have three wins here. There's really no excuse to exit this week without three wins. Oh, and you asked me for last comment. I cannot believe you didn't. Bro, I'm going to the Super Bowl. My Atlanta Falcons have made it oh, to the yeah, Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, okay, oh, so, my so goodness. Super Bowl predictions. A, uh, oh, I'm nervous as hell. You know, last year I would keep on, on my Facebook, I would change my cover photos to Falcons photos, talk a lot of smack. This year I said I'm going to stay quiet. I'm going to cheer for them. If I post something, I'm, I'm going to, you know, sort of be – you know, Tim Duncan-esque about it, like, oh, it was a good game, even though I wanted to rub it in everybody's faces. And apparently that's worked. Uh, so I'm not going to give a prediction. I'm nervous as hell, but, you know, I, I'm. it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime things. I've had my championship. My Yankees won a championship. I have not seen my Falcons win a Super Bowl. So partner this in with Trump winning the presidency. Winning, bro. It, it would just be winning. <laughs> Huge. Well, that's it for this episode of the Spurs Cast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Spurs Cast. Catch up with Jose at JRG1023. Me, I'm at RyanMC underscore PS. Make sure to follow us or any of the Project Spurs folks at Project Spurs. Go to ProjectSpurs.com. Jose, thank you so much. And to you listeners, you're welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.